Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the Kingdom Educators podcast and today I am joined with a very special guest, um, Pastor Grady. Um, thank you. No, That's thank you for having me. Thank um, you. Joining <laughs> us. And um, yeah, so this is one of the first interviews that we um, have on the King- Kingdom Educators. I'm really, really excited. And I remember like our initial conversation. Yeah. Like, he's just a man full of wisdom. So literally, <laughs> I am no so... Pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually really, really excited um, to have you here. Um, so if you would just tell us a bit about yourself. So your journey into teaching, what do you teach and why, how long and so on. Brilliant. Hi, guys. Um, my name's Grady Tomine. Um, I'm a secondary teacher in a school in Barnet, Northwest London. I currently teach IT and I'm one of the pastors in my church in East London Forest Gate, Ark Church. Amazing. Amazing. So um, if you just tell us a bit about your journey into teacher. So, for example, why um, did you become a teacher? Yep. Yeah. It's actually interesting because I wasn't planning to become a teacher. The original plan was to go into finance. Um, and I remember halfway into first year, I realised that maybe finance isn't the career for me. Mm. And I'd think of an alternative. Um, now, friends had suggested teaching to me before, but I remember what my teacher was like in school. And yeah. I remember them all being um, middle-aged men, losing their hair, getting angry at us because we were just mucking about. And I just thought, yeah, that, that can never be me. I can never mm. go into that profession. Even though I was working with young people at the time and people just kept kind of nudging me towards teaching. Um, but what actually sorted it for me was that I had a good friend of mine um, suggested to me right when I was trying to figure out the next um, career plan. And I remember researching into teaching and I realised that there was actually a lot of elements within the career that I wanted in my own career as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I began to explore and to pursue it, I found that doors just kind of began to open up. Yeah. And this was during a period where I'd just been saved. There was like a year or two into my faith, so it definitely felt like God's hands were in this. Um, and I just continued mm-hmm. pursuing it. And now I've been in it a few years and it definitely makes sense. And I can see why God would have pushed me into this career path. Well, that's amazing because everybody's journey to teach is different. So mine was different, for example. Yeah. I always, it's my dream job. <laughs> so <laughs> I've always wanted to be a teacher. Yeah. Um, what about, because um, I know, I remember our initial conversation, you wear many hats. So if you could just tell people about, if you could just tell people about the many hats that you wear in terms of, your um, teaching responsibilities as well. Yeah, okay, yeah. so I'm I'm basically a senior leader in my school, um, as well as being an IT teacher, I'm also a head of year, um, a head of department and data analysis lead in my school. Oh, that's amazing, yeah, because I don't even know, like balancing, so one of my personal questions and another yeah. um, question that was posed to me by another in- Kingdom Educator is, yeah. how do you balance ministry, yeah. Um, teaching and also just you know spiritual life because it can be difficult yeah, so yeah. have you got any like advice for that I'd say just be organised um, mm. be organised and be very intentional um, I have a set time for ministry work yeah. and I have a set time for school work um, and I try to meet those specific times as well but where possible mm. if I can link them in I try to um, so for example it could be something as small as you know, if I'm at school and I have a free period and I've never really planned on my lessons and I've done my marketing, I've done my assessments and I literally have that one hour free, mm-hmm. I might dedicate that time to ministry time. Mm-hmm. And it could be to send them a random text, it could be to check a scripture or to check a plan. I try to interlink them where I can and where mm-hmm. I can't, I just ensure that they're separate. So I have these particular hours to get as many 
as many jobs ticked off. Um, and I try not to procrastinate because I find that mm, yeah, we spend a lot cool. of time procrastinating, thinking, making decisions, going back and forth. And that just kind of adds up time. But if you really kind of sort out in your mind what it is that you need to do and how you're going to do it, you could just tick them off really quickly and then move on to other things. Yeah, that's amazing because that's a big one for me, like procrastination yeah, or not yeah. utilising, you know, um, my time yeah. wisely. But it's also like sometimes I personally, for example, feel quite guilty in terms of I'm not maybe doing enough in church or I'm giving too much into work. And yeah. It's, yeah, it's a bit... How would what advice would you give to someone just trying yeah. to overcoming guilt? If that yeah. makes sense, yeah. I think you need to be realistic. Mm. You need to be realistic of your time. Um, you need to be realistic of your skill set and realistic of yourself as well. I think we can set really high expectations on ourselves, and other people can set high expectations on us. Yeah. But realistically speaking, you only have so many hours in a day to get certain things done, and other things need to take priority. Um, and secondly, ministry isn't just limited to the church. Mm. Your workplace can be a place of ministry as well. And the way you serve at work with excellence is the same way that you could be serving at church and within Amazing. the kingdom as well. So yeah. if you see your workplace, if you can see yourself, you know, the way that you teach and minister to the students, the way that you teach or minister or talk with your colleagues, the way that you just mm. present yourself at work, that in itself is ministry as you come to represent Christ. So if you see both platforms and both marketplaces and areas as ministry, then you're doing the best that you can and God will be pleased with your work as well. Amazing, thank you. <laughs> and like, what would you say is, because everybody has their own definition of what a kingdom educator is, so how would you define yeah. a kingdom educator? A kingdom educator for me is an educator who embodies and represents Christ mm. in speech and in deed, um, in all facets, because I don't think it's just about saying being a good person or a nice person, because I have colleagues who are very kind and very polite and very friendly sometimes yeah. friendlier than me sometimes more polite than me um but how do you extend that and you mm. extend that by in the times of stress in the times of hardship in the times where i don't know senior leaders seem like they're going against you and continuously giving you tasks and work to do where other colleagues are moaning and complaining and gossiping you're doing the opposite mm. um in times where students are misbehaving <coughs> and other colleagues are talking about how you know how naughty they are how bad they are you know, what kind of parents raise them? How are you going to speak a word of encouragement? How are you going to speak in love? Essentially, it's being set apart from your other colleagues mm. and being an example to them. And that's what a kingdom educator is to me. That's amazing. I love um, how you said that it's not just about being nice, for example, because yeah. I've had instances in um, teaching whereby even when I'm disciplining, students have said that they can actually see my care yeah. through that yeah. discipline. So it's That's not good. literally... And the Bible also says, like, um, for example, love, nowhere when it's given the description of yeah. love, nice, if that makes sense. So yeah. it, again, it's about, as you said, embodying yeah, I mean, Christ. Bible says that God chases those that he loves. Yeah. So, you know, being able to give punishment and show consequence is an act of love so the person can learn and grow. Mm, I love that. And what would you say is your um, biggest teaching testimony um, in school, in your, in your career so far? Yeah. Yeah. In terms of students yeah, or in like terms me. of... It could be any, yeah. anything. So in terms... It, let's do both. So in terms of students and yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. So I think the biggest for me personally in regards to a student was attending the funeral of the father of one of my students. Oh, wow. um, and the reason why that was so big for me because... When I considered going to teaching when I thought of the career, 
this was one thing that I never ever imagined I'd be. And I remember just sitting in the church during the ceremony and just kind of looking around at the the, the child's family and their friends and just thinking, wow, like I mean this much to this student yeah. and and his family that they've brought me here. And wow. even when um, one of the family members shared their eulogy, I was personally mentioned and thanked as well. Oh, wow. um, and that just threw me because, yeah, I just, just never ever fathomed or imagined it could ever happen. And it was a really yeah. big moment. It wasn't a positive moment, but it was a really big moment and just allowed me to see the impact that a teacher can have on the life of a student and their family. Um, outside of that, I don't know, there's just been a lot of profound godly moments yeah. which kind of confirmed to me that I was in the right place. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to even think of where to start. Okay, so with one of my careers um, as head of year, um, so I've always wanted to become a head of year ever since becoming a form tutor. Yeah. Um, but at the time where it was being advertised, it was never the right time that I wanted to pursue it. And it just got to a point where I realised if I keep waiting for the right time, the right time may never come. So the next time that the, the post was presented was for head of year 12. Mm. And I've always wanted to be head of year 8 because I wanted to start them young and bring them up. Yeah. But I thought if I at least kind of show my interest, then the head teacher will know where I'm at and what I'm looking for. So obviously I went for it, applied for it, and a few other colleagues applied for it as well. Got into the interview stage, went to the interview. In the end, I didn't get the, um, I didn't get the job, um, which was fine. But then the person who I found out got the job yeah. was, in my opinion, underqualified, well, least experienced, yeah. I should say. Um, and I couldn't understand because I thought, in my honest opinion, even if I didn't get year 12, that potentially I could still get year eight yeah. um, in the back end. Um, and it just didn't happen. And some of the other colleagues, they got the different roles that they wanted. And I remember speaking to the head teacher and the, the feedback that she gave me, I just didn't agree with at all. It didn't make sense. Yeah. And I remember being really annoyed. Um, and I left the office and I, I was like vexed for like a whole week. Yeah. I was proper brewing. I thought, <laughs> you're not like, forget forget this place. I wanted to yeah. leave anyway. Da, 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 da. Proper getting annoyed. Um, and then obviously I got over my feelings, got over my emotions. I said to myself, you know what? I'm not even going to speak to the head teacher. You know, if they want anything, I'll just do the job. But we're not going to have the rapport, the banter that we used to have. Forget it, it's done. Um, and then she called me into her office. I remember walking to the office again. Oh, what, what does she want now? Proper in my feelings. Yeah, <laughs> getting yeah. on thinking, oh, what is what's she possibly going to say to me now? You've already beat me now. And you're giving me the <laughs> random feedback that I didn't appreciate. Um, and I sat down and she was like, um, yeah, I wanted to bring you in here because... I thought about the last conversation we had. I was like, yeah, because, you know, I realised that, you know, you had a desire to enter into leadership and management. And I looked over your um, your cover letter and your experiences and your presentation. I was like, yep. Yeah. She goes, well, there's a position that I want to offer you to. Yeah. And I want to present it to you first before I offer it to anyone else in the school, because I think it's right for you. Yeah. I was like, okay. She goes, yeah, I want to offer you the position of head of year for year eight. Oh, that's amazing. I was yeah. like, oh, she goes, yeah, what, like, what do you think? And you know when you have to like calm down yeah. your emotions because in my head I was thinking this is exactly <laughs> what I wanted but it just yeah. didn't go right the right way so yeah I accepted left the office and I just went into a time of praise because yeah. I realised that God works in mysterious ways because yeah. originally I wanted to be head of year yeah. the position was never advertised so I went for head of year 12 knowing that I didn't want it but went for it anyway yeah. didn't get it which was fine didn't appreciate the feedback only for me to end up getting the job yeah. that I wanted without applying for it and it being offered to me first yeah so yeah, there's just been little incidences like that that's happened and I just thought, wow, God, you're like, you're just ordaining steps and just yeah. doing little things that happened before I actually originally wanted it to happen. So I'm just really grateful and thankful. That's amazing because that's even a testimony 
in itself that you applied for something that you originally didn't really have any interest in yeah but you god gave you what you originally desired what you originally wanted yeah, yeah. so what's would you say has been your biggest um what have you loved more um in being ahead of year like what have you enjoyed about being ahead of year i've enjoyed the the relationship that i've built um with my students yeah um i've been able to because the great thing about being head of year is the pastoral care that comes with it so you know having your own office being able to call out students, being able to check on their well-being. Yeah. I think when you're part of the academia and you're teaching the lesson, you don't really have a lot of time to check in. Yeah, that's you know, true. you're just trying to get the, the work yeah, done. You're trying to get so them true. to meet their, their yeah. grades, their targets, get their homework done. You're very much focusing on the curriculum. Whereas a head of year, form tutor, a mentor, um, I don't know, guide, whatever role you may have, you have the opportunity to literally just get to know them, find out what life yeah. is like outside school, what find out what life is like in school how they're making friends and really just kind of tap in because you realise that when they realise that you care and when they realise that you're invested in them personally, they're going to make a greater effort to do well in your lessons and to work harder, whether it is for you, for themselves or for whatever reason. That's true. That's a good point because as a, um, for example, I'm not pastoral originally, I wanted to be um, ahead of year, but I fell in love with curriculum and as a classroom teacher, I'm always constantly thinking about lesson planning, marking, and I'm not too, um, I'm not, I find myself, I'm not too focused about their well-being. So yeah. you're quite lucky and privileged to um, be ahead of year in that respect. No, definitely. Um, if you could ask Christ to do one thing in education, in the education sector, what would it be? I'd say pour his spirit yeah. into the sector yeah. and return it back to how it first was. Yeah. Um, the church used to be heavily influential within within education, within the curriculum, within the school system. That's so and true. we found that as we're drawing further and further away from from God, from Christ, from religion within mm. schools, schools are taking a direction that it shouldn't be turning towards. And you know, we see it happening in the states, and we see what's happening in the schools, yeah. um, and what's and the dangers that the children are in. And one of the first things that we need to remember is that. You know, within the, the the state's education, they removed um, praying and they were started mm. removing education um, from their establishments. Um, so we we can't see as a coincidence that so many horrific horrific things are happening over there. So as soon as they started withdrawing religious yeah. beliefs from there, so I definitely pray for just God's spirit to pour in. And what I'm pleased to to be finding out is that there's a lot more believers and kingdom citizens ed- um, entering into. The education system so we're having slowly we're becoming to have a greater influence into it so definitely mm. just pouring our spirit and just allowing for himself to work in there that's so true that leads on really nicely into like a situation i'm faced with currently yeah. at my school so um a girl in year um what, year 11 now mm. i taught her in year seven yeah she's changed or transformed into a boy yeah and as um educators especially christian educators sometimes we're faced with what do we do when it conflicts when we have to do something that conflicts with our beliefs yeah um so my predicament is do i call this girl a boy or he now because now she's got a new name or do i call her a a she because obviously the christian within me wants to say she you know but then society says i have to call her he and by her new name so it's very difficult and um there's so much you know lbgt flooding into schools now 
and I've seen I saw a headline. I don't know if you saw it on in within the mirror where where it says about six year olds or yeah, yeah. going to be getting educated, educated on, yeah, yeah to touch themselves. So there's so much going on. Like how how would you advise someone in my situation yeah. facing that? I think it's definitely a complex situation. Yeah, um, and there's different angles you can take it from, and there's different levels to it. Um, I think what we need to remember that we do have religious rights. Um, yeah. Just like people push about human rights and freedom of speech, blah, blah, I realise that more, the more they require us to be tolerant of them, the more intolerant they become of us. That's so true. Um, so I think definitely you have religious rights. And if anything your ask of goes against your faith, you have the right to speak to leadership, to speak to your union rep and let them know that this is where you stand. Um, and there, there can never be any disciplinary actions if it's your, your rights and you flagged it up. Yeah, that's um, true. So there's there's that way of taking it if you want to take it that kind of legal, um, righteous way. Um, you could take it on a personal level, and I think everyone is different. Yeah. You know, a name a name is just a name. Um, that's I would true. I wouldn't be too disgruntled by a name because a name is what people use to identify themselves. Um, it's just a sound that we pronounce so people know when they're being true. called. Um, the challenge now is with the pronouns because it's different when you're saying he or she, mm. um, her or him. Mm -hmm. And that's where you need to figure out for yourself what you feel comfortable with. And that's when yeah. that's something that you need to flag up to your school as well. Um, if it feels like, if it seems like your school is against you um, and you decide to stay, then by all means, you can just refer to that student by their name. And if they want to be referred to as Tom, you can refer to as Tom. You just don't have to say he or him or refer mm -hmm. to them or pronounce them as a boy. Um, but you definitely need to be tactical. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me, of the scripture, and I know I'm going to quote this wrong, uh, where 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 um, where Christ says that we need to be as innocent and as doves. Mm. Um, I have to try and find it. But as as wise, wise is it that's what I was thinking. Yeah, as wise. I think it's we're going to yeah. go with wolves for now until we find the scripture. <laughs> Someone can correct us. But it's just it's just <laughs> yeah. kind of that idea of you know you need to obviously you can present yourself a certain way of innocence yeah but you need to be very wise you need to be cunning yeah. um, you need to be mindful you need to be tactical as well mm. and we need to be tactical in the marketplace because there are always people who will be trying to catch us out so and they have true. these assumptions of believers yeah. but the only way that we can get, kind of break through into certain situations is by being tactical I remember there's one profound move, uh, moment in the book of Acts of Apostle Paul where he gets arrested for being a Jew mm. and they mishandle him only for him to say, is this how you handle a Roman citizen? Yeah. And they're like, wait, are you a Roman citizen? Click, and then click, they click. acted really sheepish because they realised yeah. they'd done wrong yeah. and they tried to kind of hide him away and let him go. And he was like, no, you need to present me to your officials because they need yeah. to know what they've done. And he presented himself. And it's just little things like that. And you find in the book of Acts, the way Apostle Paul acts and even the way that Christ Jesus acts um, towards the Pharisees as well. There's a lot of wisdom and cunningness in the way they approach certain situations yeah. to show that they're righteous and they're rightful in the things that they're doing. So we definitely yeah. need to be a lot wiser in the way that we manoeuvre and act. That's so true. And it just shows us why wisdom is important and how wisdom actually can protect us in those situations. And what you said is, yeah, purely wisdom, because I never thought of it like that in terms of um, calling them by their names, for example. Yeah. But not... I don't have to say he, she, literally just say the new name in which they prefer, I guess. Yeah. Um, my next question is, because a lot of teachers we are facing this, yeah. um, would be because of the increased workload, there's a few teachers that want to leave. How would you advise someone to keep on going and not leave teaching, not 
basically quit because we need actually more kingdom educators because as we've just discussed yeah. there's a lot of um i would say the enemy's agenda trying to seep into education yeah that's why we need more kingdom educators yeah. so how would you encourage a um, a fellow Christian educator to yeah. remain? Um, first, first thing I say is that there's hardships and challenges in every career. Yeah. Because um, sometimes we think if we jump to another career, it's going to be a lot easier, it's going to be lighter. Um, we make the assumption that the grass is green on the other side, mm. um, but that's not always guaranteed. But the one thing that you can guarantee is that you can water the grass on your side. Wow. So you can Wisdom. make the grass greener where you're at and you can make changes and yeah. you can develop it where you're at. Um, the third thing I'd want to remind them is as a kingdom educator, if you truly believe that God and Christ has brought you into this workplace, then there's a reason why you are here. Mm. And there's there's a call in your life and there's a job and a task that you need to do. Um, and you can't just abandon it because it's difficult. You know, when we wow. go and get scriptures, all those who are called, um, the prophets, the ministers, the leaders, they all went through hardship. They went through um, challenges, especially um, Apostle Paul, but they knew for the love of Christ, yeah. for the love of God and for the call in their lives and for the work of the ministry, they must remain and sustain and maintain because there's a greater call. And sometimes we will go through certain challenges and we will go through certain hardships. By the end of it, it's not about us. It's because of those that we're called to serve and those we're called to be an example towards. Um, so my word of encouragement for them would be, you know, remember remember your first love. Remember why mm. you came in this career in the first place. Remember what it is that you were, that you were searching for. And if you haven't found it, if you haven't discovered it, then keep going. Because if you believe that God has called you into this, that there's something that he wants you to learn and to experience through it. Yeah. And practically speaking, just find ways to make certain life and certain situations easier for yourself. Um, plan plan lessons that you can use repeatedly and that you can just adjust or yeah. alter depending on the class, depending on the student. Um, find ways that you can mark differently, whether yeah. it's getting students to do self-assessments, whether it's peer assessments, whether it's marking during the lessons yeah. and giving verbal feedback and getting them to write it down. Yeah. Um, whether it's... I don't know, getting a stamp and stamping it or signing it to show that you've, that you've actually marked and that's your evidence of it, but your verbal feedback is what you've given. Just find yeah. different ways to work smart rather than working hard. Um, mm. And yeah, all will be well. And just, I don't believe that every single homework needs to be marked by you. Yeah. It's not every single assessment that needs to be marked for you, but for the heavy yeah. assessments, take you on board. For the light ones, get the student to do it and just, you know, find different ways. There's different um, online provisions available that, that do self-marking so that you don't have to. Um, mm. There's there's lesson plans online that you can download and you yeah. can pay for so you don't have to do all the lessons yourself. There's different strategies that you can take to make it easier for you. Yeah. Um, one thing that we're doing in my school is we're trying to do student-led teaching where it's not always the teacher at the forefront. Oh, that's amazing. So find yeah. strong students in your school and get them to teach, whether it's giving them homework to do where they have to research something and they come back and they teach it in pairs or in groups, just find different strategies to make life a lot easier for you. So then you take more of an overseer role rather than actually interjecting and being there in the midst of it and just find something that works for you. Yeah, that's amazing because you've even given um, just practical nuggets in terms of making life easier yeah. within our jobs because I guess it's the practicalities of yeah, everyday yeah. life that can make us feel bogged down. Um, the next question is about behaviour. Yeah. So ha dealing with challenging students. So, for example, I've noticed in um, school yeah. that certain groups of students have less aspirations. So it's usually the students from immigrant families, for example, yeah. that have a higher 
aspiration whereas um students that are born here you know they get everything um they have less aspirations and therefore they're not ambitious they don't want to work hard so how would you deal with um i'll break the question down yeah so how would you deal with students that have low aspirations and low ambition i think passive students are one of the most challenging students that you can have yeah yeah um because they're just okay with bare minimum yeah um (laughs) and it's really difficult to to push them and to tap in but i think that's where that's where the relationship and the rapport that you have with them comes in Mm -hmm. that's where getting to know them um comes into place as well just finding out what the aspirations are because even if they say they don't really have any aspirations no one wants to end up homeless no one no one ends up no one wants to end up broke no one wants to end up asking for scraps and asking for food Um, and sometimes they'll be quick to say i don't know because they haven't thought of the alternative and they haven't thought about the future and the consequences and it's up to you to kind of draw them a timeline of if you continue behaving like this this is where it's going to lead you Mm. and this is the timeline i want for you this is the direction i want you to go in Um, and just kind of continue probing them and making it clear to them that you're not gonna let them slip Um, one thing i've always done with certain students that i've known have given up is i've personally told them i'm not gonna let you drop Mm. i'm not gonna let you drop the ball i'm not gonna let you fail and i'm going to be onto you every single time until you produce the work that i need to produce and even if they don't want to, just out of pure frustration and annoyance for you, they'll just get onto it because they know that if they don't, you're That's just so going to be onto true. them. Um, and whether it's um, pulling up their parents and getting their parents involved, whether it's getting them in during break, lunch, after school mornings, mm. whatever you need to do, you're literally pushing them into waking up and getting energised and kind of drawing the passion out of them. And even yeah. if at the end, they're still passive, just out of pure annoyance, they're going to get the work done. And as they kind of grow into maturity and as they see their other friends growing as yeah. well, because sometimes it's a circle. Yeah, um, if they're around people who aren't influential, if they're around people with the same mindset who aren't bothered to do anything, they're going to go by that. Mm. Um, if they haven't been exposed to something greater, they're going to be stuck within their own mindsets. So um, you know, I was raised in a council estate and there's definitely a thing called a council estate mindset where wow. you're aware that you live wow. in, the, in a greater city, but where you're stuck within these walls, you can't yeah. see further out of these walls. Um, but yeah. I was privileged opportunities where I was able to go out, go on school trips, mm. um, go go to the city, um, meet middle class people, meet different types of people and realise that there's a greater world out there. And then I was given the practical vision of how I could actually get there as well. And wow. that's what charged me. So, yeah. and I think that's something that Ofsted are starting to push as well. And they refer it as cultural development yeah, where they want yeah. schools cultural to capital. take cultural yeah, capital that's yeah. it. Um, where they want schools to take students out on trips to expose the greater world to them yeah. because as soon as they see that there's something greater and they meet people that they can identify with then that's just going to open up their minds so you have students who are big on music you know mm-hmm. take them to a music studio to show wow. them sound engineers yeah. show them the process of, of creating beats of making tracks show them that it's more than just being in your bedroom with a mic and with uh, with your laptop and the yeah. software show them that there's a greater platform show them a mis- mixing desk and when they c- kind of start seeing these things they'll realize that yeah this is this is what i want to get into this is what i want to do wow. now the question is how do i do it yeah. and when you show them how they can do it if you do this lesson this course get this grade do this do that yeah. and these are the people then they're going to be charged and that's what they need a bit of motivation inspiration and they'll yeah. be good to go that's deep mm. and what you said before about um for example you said you know getting parents in parents yeah. what do you do when um, parents don't even care because I've had that before I call yeah. parents and they're just like 
um, I need to speak to my daughter first before I believe your words. So what yeah. do you do when parents don't really care? Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? For me, it allows me to give more <coughs> grace to the student. Yeah. Because it's always, it's always an eye opener when you meet the parents and you realise this doesn't come from you. It's it's been inherited and brought down yeah. from your parents. Um, and it allows you to apply a lot more grace to the student. You realise you're not just being stubborn and hard-headed, hard-headed for the fun of it, but this is actually the environment that you've been raised in. Um, so if you think of me applying more grace to the student and trying more, because I know at, at home they're not getting the support system that they need, but on the flip side, it's ensuring that I'm actually talking to this, the parent and getting them to understand. Yeah. You know, I've got a student myself um, who, who behaves poorly, but as soon as I met their parent, I understood because yeah. their parent has a big chip on their shoulder and it's towards our school. And wow. to this day, it's been three years that I've been dealing with them and it's gotten better. And I thank yep. God the student's behavior has improved and the parent has been willing to work with us a lot better, but there's still challenges and I'm still having to, to address the parent and address the student. But what I've realized is because other teachers have addressed the parent in a certain way, it's added to their frustration. So mm-hmm. I need to come as an ally, trying to be a media between the parent and the school, trying to get her to understand um, where we're coming from and trying to get their family to understand as well. And with the student, it's just a plan, a lot more love, a lot more encouragement, a lot more support. And basically trying to get them to see that I'm on their side. Yeah. And rather than pushing them or trying to drag them and pull them to work with us, are more coming beside them and trying to walk with them yeah. in alignment so they can come um, into our code of conduct and to work alongside with us. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And how would you deal with um, like just students that are just, because we spoke about students that have low aspirations, but students that are just rude, yeah. are just, you know, very challenging, disruptive yeah. in the classroom. Yeah. It could be, um, you know, loud disruption or, yeah. you know, the quiet. Um, medium disruption how yeah. would you deal with you know just blatant disrespect yeah. in a as a kingdom educator so there's definitely different ways you could deal with it um initially if i'm if i'm first introduced myself to the class um i make my expectations clear yeah um and i make it very clear so that they all understand um and then as soon as someone goes against those expectations um privately i'd make it clear of them that this is what they've done wrong this is how I feel about it. This is what I require them to do. That way, there's absolutely no misunderstandings and they know specifically if they do this thing, they are specifically going against what I've asked for because I've made it clear to you and the entire class um, ways that I'm expecting. On top of that as well, um, to be honest, you have to figure out whether you want to be direct or if you want to divert. Um, So you can have a student who's really loud and really bubbling and always talking and you can be direct and tell them, um, you know, correct their behaviour, tell them what you're expecting, tell them what you want, and then tell them to get on with it, and they can continue. Or you can use it towards your advantage. So if I have a student who's always mouthing off, um, and let's just, I don't know, let's name a student, I don't know, Tom, for example. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if Tom's always mouthy, and I've already told Tom, listen, Tom, I don't appreciate you calling out, I need you to raise your hand, don't talk whilst I'm talking, don't call over other students. And if Tom is persistent, then my other total would be, well, Tom, seeing as you always want to talk, I now need you to read from the board. Tom, yeah. I need you to come to the front and I need you to present. Because it's funny, it's always those who are both front loud, that as soon as you give them a so task, true. suddenly they, they call into their <laughs> they shelf. <shake. laughs> um, so situations like that where you use the same thing that's challenging you to your advantage. Mm. 
because I know that Tom is mouthy I know that if I ever do group work Tom could be the leader because he'll speak up for Mm, his team Um, I know Tom will read out loud for the whole class because Tom's always talking and if Tom now suddenly wants to back down because he's scared and he's fearful because he realises he's on the spot Tom has now learned his lesson to not call out when he's not supposed to Um, if that doesn't work something as simple as telling Tom to step outside stepping outside and having a one-to-one chat with Tom for to make him realise what he's doing wrong Um, if everything else fails um, and I wouldn't advise every single teacher to do this a public rebuke yeah because sometimes public embarrassment and public shame (laughs) would would yeah would just calm down a student really quickly sometimes Um, Jesus had to do it with the Pharisees so that's it and and sometimes I do that as well where a student's acting up and I'll call them out in front of the whole class and I'll challenge them and I'll embarrass them Um, and I think just that feeling of embarrassment and shame and guilt will turn their behaviour around really quickly um, so whether it is, I'd say, set clear expectations, continue to repeat those expe- expectations. When someone is doing something right, acknowledge it and just, yeah. yeah, literally gas them up. So if I know Tom's always misbehaving and the moment I see Tom doing something right, thank you, Tom, Amazing. for listening and yeah. for paying attention and having all your resources out. Why can't everyone behave like Tom? Oh, Guys, can that. you see what Tom is doing? <laughs> and suddenly Tom gets a bit gas because he's thinking, yeah, 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 yeah of course. Uh, so it's calling me out. Everyone else is now suddenly thinking, okay, yeah, if this is what happens, if I do something right, then I'm going to do it. Well done, Maisie. Well done, Simon. I see you as well, Lucy. I see you doing as well. Guys, I'm liking this. Keep it up. Yeah. Merits for all of you. Keep up. I'm liking this. You guys are doing extremely well. I'm continuously reinforcing what they're doing well and what I'm expecting to see. Because sometimes it's a lot easier to tell them what you want them to do than what you yeah. want them not to do. Because sometimes students don't actually want know what it is that you want them to do. That's but when true. you make it clear, they can follow suit. Um, and it can follow the, spe- the steps, especially if it's clear and easy to follow. Mm, that's amazing, yeah. Especially as, um, in terms of being an example of good behaviour. Yeah. Um, they don't see it at home. So sometimes we too have to, as you said, talking about co- conduct yeah. earlier on, we have to model that as well. Yeah. So we've spoken about behaviour and dealing with difficult students. Now I'm going to go on to colleagues. Yeah. So um, <laughs> <laughs> how would you deal with difficult colleagues yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <sighs> i think that's always a challenge and it's yeah. something something that we're we're researching currently in our groups about having some of those courageous conversations mm-hmm. um with, with certain colleagues um i'd definitely say start as you mean to go on yeah. um my my colleagues they they know um, I'm, I'm a believer yeah um, they are aware that i'm a pastor they are aware that i'm involved in church so they are aware there's certain conversations that I won't entertain. Mm. Um, and I'm always open about my faith. You know, what did you do over the weekend? Yeah. I told them I went church, I've done this, I preached here, I taught here. I'm, I try to be as bold as I can so they understand that this is the type of person I am. Yeah. So when they do want to do something or they're planning something, they're not going to bring it to me because they know that I'm not going to entertain it. Yeah. Um, so I'd say, yeah, definitely don't be ashamed to present yourself how you want other people to see you because that alone will protect you from a lot of things. You know, Mm. people knowing that I'm a pastor will stop them from coming to me about certain conversations and certain topics because they already assume that I'm not going to be interested in it, which is perfect because I'm already guarded from it. Um, So that's one. Two, don't be embarrassed or ashamed to avoid certain colleagues. You know, Mm. like stay stay away if you know that it's not going to edify you um, and stay away if you know it's going to put you in a certain predicament. Yeah. Um, And three, be brave enough to be able to tell them when you don't want to talk about certain things. I think that could be something yeah, really difficult because difficult, you don't want to make things awkward. Yeah. Um, you you know, you don't want to entertain certain conversations. Um, 
so it's okay to say oh you know you're busy you can't talk right now or you'd rather not get into it um, and if you are going to allow yourself to be part of certain conversations then don't give them the response um that they may expect yeah um you know i've been i've been in conversations where a colleague has been bad mouthing leadership um yeah. and i've sat there and, I'm, and i've listened to it and i've allowed them to vent yeah and i've allowed them to get out of the system but then when i felt a certain charge i've said you know have you ever thought of it from their point of view or wow. what if wow what if you did this or wow. what if you've done this differently and you know you're not you're not accusing them you're not necessarily charging them, but you're trying to get them to alter their thinking. And that could be your little way of showing that you're not in agreement. Or I might just say, do you know what? It's funny that you said that. I haven't actually had that experience. This is the experience yeah. that I've had. Um, so you're not in agreement with them because they say silence in agreement. So you're not, you're not aligned with their views, but you're given a different perspective. And just little nuggets like that will kind of present, present to them that you're not in alignment with their way of thinking and their way of behavior. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't always have to be like, I'm a Christian, stop talking to me about da, da, yeah, da, da, da. this yeah. is not what I'm about. You don't have to come fully charged like that, but you can be tactical and, and wise about the way you maneuver in a situation. Yeah, I love that. And you kind of answered the next question I was gonna mm. ask you in terms of how can we share, because I share Christ all the time, for example, with my students, Yeah. but I need to, I know I need to kind of do that more with staff. So yeah. how would you um, share Christ with you know your colleagues staff yeah. members um speech and conduct you know there's yeah. a there's a there's a saying and um i think it was pope francis of assisi Ooh. um and he had said um oh what did he say um he said something along the lines of um evangelize or witness um and if you have to use words mm. um, wow and I've taken that as in your your conduct would mean can mean a lot more than actually the words that you speak. That's true. Um, so something as small as you know it's lunchtime, you're in the staff room, you have your lunch, praying over your food. Ooh. Something as simple as that will cause staff to look at you weird. Yeah. And at some point, someone's going to be brave enough to ask you, why do you why do you do that? Why do you pray? Yeah. And that's an opening for you to say whatever you need to say. That's so something true. as simple as you know what did you do over the weekend? Oh, yeah, I was at church, I was at prayer meeting, I was at Bible study. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's what's that like? And talking about it, you don't always have to go charge, you know, the book of Matthew says, da 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 yeah. But people generally would would have an interest in your faith and would have an interest in your belief, especially if to them you seem like a normal person, quote-unquote, especially if you seem like an average person, quote-unquote. Yeah. Them now knowing that you're actually someone who goes to church will kind of charge them to want to ask you certain questions. And you can answer, answer those as simply as you want, because when you realize that when push comes to shove and they're having a really difficult time and they're uncertain, at some point the colleague's gonna come to you and say, I'm really stressed, can you pray for me? Yeah, or they'll well. come to you because they know that you're someone of comfort and you can then ask them, are you okay for me to pray for you? And no, people hardly say no when you offer to pray for them. That's true. Um, and then it's up to you whether you wanna pray for them in their alone time or whether you wanna ask them, can I pray for you right here, right now? And if they're comfortable enough to say, yeah, can you pray for me right now? Then even more so, you need to be mindful of the words that you speak because you need to make sure that those words are words of life because they will hear your prayers. And that is your way to speak life into them and declare those words into their heart and for them to hear what you're saying on their behalf to God. And they will appreciate you even more so because even if they don't believe in in God, if they don't believe in Christ or the the being that we serve, they will believe in you and they'll believe in the words that you speak and yeah. you will be the embodiment of Jesus Christ to them. So even more so, do you need to make sure that you come correct 
in the way that you speak and act towards them. Amazing. So yeah, just just those little things that you can do just kind of represent Christ. It's not always you having to be John the Baptist where you're screaming out, repent for the kingdom of God is nigh. No, yeah. you, could just, you could just talk normal yeah. and just kind of enter in biblical principles into it. It's so true because um, I remember when we had, you know, parents evening and... Um, there was food, we always get free food when parents eat it. And one of the staff members asked, why am I not eating? So I just said, I'm fasting. And mm. then she thought I was doing, for example, intermittent fasting, you know, yeah. to lose weight and stuff like that. Yeah. I said, no, I'm fasting for spiritual re- um, reasons. And yeah. she was really shocked because she's of a um, Muslim background yeah. and she don't really see Christians fasting. So that yeah. was an open door, I guess. So, yeah, it. you're so right about con- conduct and also speech. I've got a bit of a, the next question is a bit, you know, a bit of a fun question. If yeah. you got to create your own school, how Ooh. would it be? Like, what would, what structures would you put in place? Because I feel like with organisations, it's all about structures, you know, to make it successful. So, you know, you got to create um, your own school. Yeah. It could be a free school, whatever. How would, what, what would you do? Oh, <laughs> that, that's, that's a massive question. There's a school in America, um, I think it's the Robert Clark School. Um, I think um, it's an academy school, and he was a primary school teacher um, who studied his own school. Um, and it's a private school, so he gets funding from from investments and from celebrities. And the reason why I appreciate that school is because the students generally have a good time, Ooh. and the school is not afraid to kind of draw in from the interests of the students and use them within their school. So you know, the schools have acknowledged that social media is a big thing. Yeah. Um, they've acknowledged that dancing is a big thing and there's a big craze to it. So yeah, the school yeah, makes it a priority to allow students to record dance videos and they stream on social media. And sometimes even yeah. staff members get involved as well. And you know, yeah. teachers dance within those videos. Um, and yeah, they make they make school fun for the yeah. students. Um, so I think, you know, I'm definitely in the mindset with my students that I want them to work. I want them to work hard, but I want them to enjoy their time here as well. Yeah. Um, so what structures would I apply? I would lean as much as I can to, to biblical structure, um, the structure of having of having elders. So there's not just one man in charge of everything, but there's definitely a council that works together for the benefit of the school. Yeah. Um, and obviously that trickles down to other leaders and other principals as well. Um, I definitely believe in there being a body or a body or a system that you are accountable to, yeah. whether that be the whether that body be the church, um, or the body would have to be the church that you're accountable to, and leaders within the church that you're accountable to. But same way as well, I'd be very mindful of um, just the national curriculum and yeah. governmental bodies, because the last thing you want to become is those weird Christians. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Like we we have this mindset <sighs> that because we're kingdom citizens, we have to be completely different. But yeah. you know, Christ Jesus was aware of the political climate. Apostle Paul were aware of the political climate. So I'd want the students to be aware of what's going on in government, what's going on in the world. You don't need to be of the world, but you need to know of the world. You need to be aware of um, current affairs and what's happening there. So definitely teaching those things, but make it clear where we would stand on a biblical sense. So yeah, I would definitely teach you about LGBT and definitely teach you um, about what those things are. Yeah. But I wouldn't teach it as these are identities and identifications wow. and sexual orientations. Wow. No, wow. I would yeah. teach it as from a, from a moral stance, from an yeah. ethical stance, because yeah. ultimately these things are sin. Wow. That's it. But the problem with sin is when you give a sin identification on a body, you empower it. Wow. So when we talk about LGBT yeah. and we talk about 
homosexuality and we talk about sexual orientation and we give it the authority that it has biblically speaking all it is is sin Wow. that's it the the bible doesn't identify as as a preference the bible identifies all these things as sinful behavior and sinful conduct meaning that there's no such thing as you're straight you're heterosexual you're bisexual you're this no yeah. it's just the godly model of male and female and everything else is sin and it's yeah. literally as simple as that and like what? and teaching that yeah you can have same-sex attractions that is very possible but yeah. you can have self-control to not go into and not to entertain these certain wow. things. So when people ask me questions about, you know, can you be gay and Christian? I'll tell you clearly, you can be attracted to the same sex. Absolutely, because we all have temptations. We're all enticed by our temptations. But yeah. like everyone else, we have self-control and free will to not engage it. So yeah. can you be gay and Christian? Can you be um, sexually active with the same sex and a Bible-believing Christian? No, definitely yeah. not. Can you yeah. be attracted to the same sex and fighting against that temptation and be a Bible-believing Christian? Yes, you definitely can be because there are yeah. other Christians who are fighting against drug abuse, wow. fighting against alcohol abuse, fighting against lying, um, wow. fighting against gambling, fighting against lust, fighting against all these things. And technically, it is a form of lust. Yeah. It's just not a form of lust that we are used to and a form of lust that just goes against God's natural norm. And that's why it's so big in comparison wow. to everything else. Wow. And I love what you just said because... Um, you've touched on things that you would put in like the curriculum for example yeah. and it's just so real i think sometimes as believers we can be so rigid yeah. and so like full of pretense and i yeah. love how you said having time for fun like i just love fun because yeah. like, a lot of the time when i speak to the sixth formers especially the reason why they don't want to give their life to christ is because they think christianity is boring yeah. <laughs> but it's not especially when you can have fun and you can put that into um make time for it in school make time for it in lessons yeah as yeah, well definitely. so that's amazing so just a few questions just two more questions which is um yeah what would i'm just trying to think well it's <laughs> completely gone out of my head um yeah so what do you have basically any wisdom or nuggets of wisdom um you know, to help another teacher or yeah. anything about education, what would your... Um, if I had any words for our fellow colleagues, I'd say be encouraged. Mm. Um, I'm reminded of a scripture in Esther 4, which says that maybe you've been called for such a time as this. Wow, um, yeah. So there's a reason why God has drawn you into education. There's a reason why God has called you into education at this time. And that reason may not be clear from the offset, but there's a reason that's there. So, yeah. so stand firm and keep going. And... That reason could be because you're called to change the life of one student. Yeah. It could be called because it, it could be because you're called to change the life of a class, of a year group, of a school, of a colleague. We will wow. never really know. Yeah. But you'll as time goes on, you will start seeing little things here and there. You know, when I entered into teaching, I just thought I'd be here for, you know, maybe two or three years and I meant to learn something from it, maybe just learn patience and I'll yeah. apply that to ministry and that's it. But the more I stay in it, the more my mind's opening to different things that I can do within this profession and different ways that God can use me in this profession. Now, I'm not saying that's the reason why he's got me here. I'm not saying that I'm even going to be here in another 10, 20 years. But what I can say is that whilst I'm here, I need to make sure that every single day, every single week, month, year counts because yeah. he might call me out at any given time. And I just need to make sure that the years I've pulled in, I can say that, yeah, I definitely just get, gave out everything I possibly yeah. can. Um, 
So there's a reason why you're here. So tap into that reason and just be encouraged, even in the times where it's hard, see if you can see God's hand in the situation. You know, even when you're talking to people that you're disagreeing with, see if you can see Christ's face in those people wow. and definitely wow. pour out and just continue giving because, yeah, there's, there's a reason why you're there and there's a reason why God has permitted you to be there. And ultimately, it's for your good. So keep striving and keep pushing. Amazing. Mm. And um, you said, like, you mentioned Esther 4. Yeah. Is there, are there any, like, scriptures, your favourite scripture, your yeah. go-to scripture that yeah. you also stand on yeah. um, teaching that, will, that yeah. helps you? So my favourite scripture is Romans 8.28, which says, For we know all things work towards the good of those yeah. um, who are called to Christ, called to God and commit to his will and purpose. Um, and that's my favorite scripture because I believe that as long as I'm in God, as long as I'm in his purpose, as long as I'm called to his will, all things will work to my good. That's yeah. it. So when things are going hard and things are, wow. are challenging, all things work to my good. That's because deep. what we don't realize that it's in yep. times of hardship that God really works in your character. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, that's why we're meant to count it as joy when we're in diverse trials and temptations because it work of our patience, it work of our endurance. And it's only when we're being challenged that we can really truly grow because yeah. when things are going well, you're chilling and yeah, you're enjoying it's so it. True. But when things are going hard, you are fighting and you are persevering. And it's moments like that that God will truly work in you. Um, so yeah, just count all joy for all things are there, are working towards your good. Um, so yeah, definitely those are the scriptures I stand on. And then my last question is um how has teach teaching changed you um teaching has changed me by working my patience yeah um, definitely <laughs> big time big time and i knew i knew um patience would be something um that i needed to develop in especially in ministry so definitely it's made me a lot more patient um it's allowed me to interact with different types of people yeah, definitely um, same. And to understand different types of people. Same. Um, and three, it's just kind of, it's, it's changed my language. Um, it's changed my speech, um, the way that I talk, the way I talk to some people, and it's made me a lot more adaptable. You know, yeah. Paul said to be all things to all men. Yeah. Um, and what he meant by that is to be able to adapt and connect with different types of people. Yeah. And the scripture continues by saying, so that you can wing them into Christ. Um, so being a teacher, meeting different types of people had allowed me to be able to interact with different types of people and interact with them and get to know them yeah. and why they are the way that they are so that I can learn how to win them and draw them into the faith. Um, so those are some of the things that I've learned. Amazing. And like, how can people keep in contact with you and or follow you? Cool. So I'm on Instagram um, at Grady Renewed. Um, so that's Grady spelled G-R-A-D-I and just renewed, one word. Um, so yeah, you can definitely find me on Instagram. That's why I'm on mainly. Um, and if anyone's ever in the East London area for a skate and you want to come Ark Church, feel free to pop in and yeah. say hi. It'd be great to meet you and see you. Amazing. Yeah, thank you so much, Pastor Grady. It's been like full of wisdom. I've even taken things for myself that I am going to implement coming <laughs> in God. the next week. And I've also just thought of um, ways, in, especially in terms of a difficult um, challenges that we face as educators for example yeah. LBGT you've given me wisdom which I can apply and use so it has been a blessing thank God so looking forward to coming back um, with you guys or to you guys <laughs> in the next episode bye see ya yeah